Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you once again, of course, by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, the days are quickly counting down. Mother's Day is just around the corner. In fact, this is the last episode that we are going to be putting out before Mother's Day where we can actually remind you guys to do yourself a solid, do your mom a solid, and pick her up something at Alumni Hall to remind her just how much you love her. I mean, guys, really, is there any better way to tell someone you love them than by buying this some awesome Georgia gear? And there is no better place to buy that awesome Georgia gear than Alumni Hall. They have all the best brands, the best selection, the best customer service, the best everything, guys. So do everyone a solid and pick up some Mother's Day gear at Alumni Hall, either in-store inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City, or of course, online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. Well, I am your host, Tyler. You guys know that. And joining me again today is my longtime co-host, Curtis. Got a special treat for you guys today. Curtis, two times in one week. Who would have thought? But yet... Here he is making it happen. But before we get into things today, guys, I do need to ask all of you to forgive me today. I need it. I need your forgiveness because I lied to you. And I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to produce the best podcast for you. And sometimes that means changing up some of our plans. Because I know I said earlier in the week that today we are going to run through part two of our post-spring mailbag. I mean, guys, the mailbag, it really is. It is overflowing right now, and we really do want to run through all those questions. But here's the thing. One of those questions, actually a couple of them that were basically the same question, was so compelling that we honestly thought it would just make for an awesome full episode that we could really, really dig into. So technically, I guess this is a mailbag episode since we are actually answering a listener question. But we are going to exclusively focus on that one topic today. And that one topic is Georgia's 2024 draft prospects. Obviously, the 2023 NFL draft just happened last week. It's now in the rear view. Curtis and I recapped that on Monday. But we had quite a few questions that were sent in over the past week or so asking us to make projections on which Georgia players we thought would get drafted next season. Kind of looking ahead to the 2024 draft and also which guys we think will end up potentially being drafted in the first round. And so we thought that would be a really fun question to like really, really dive into today. So that's what we're going to do. And the way we are going to approach this is by running through every potentially draft-eligible player on the roster, at least by our calculations, with the caveat that they actually have to play. Like These can't be guys that never, ever get in. And we're going to place each of these players in one of four draft tiers. At the top, we have first-rounders. That top tier is going to be reserved for the guys that we think are going to be first-round draft picks or at least have a better chance than not to end up in the first round. Then tier two is going to be reserved for the players that we don't think are quite first-round guys, but they, they are still locks to be drafted in 2024. 
followed by tier three, which is players that could get drafted, but do have some work to do in 2023 to make that a reality. And then finally, we have the undrafted free agent tier that hopefully no one ends up in. We'll see how things play out. But all right, Curtis, we've got a lot of names to run through today, my man. So let's go ahead. Let's get right into this. And you guys know I love me some inside linebackers. I've made that no secret over the years. So let's start there. Let's start with inside linebacker Smile Mondin Curtis. And we'll kind of just randomly run through some names. What draft tier are you putting Smile Mondin in? I'm going to go first rounder with Smile. Okay, I, I agree. But I want to get your reasoning on that first. Well, um, you know, he, if all the he is similar in the build of all the great inside linebackers we've had, um, I think... Um, all he really needs is to continue to build his um, play recognition. But when you look at all the intangibles, like the speed or just his pure athleticism, you can't discount that at all. Um, So I think the more he improves on his play recognition, the higher um, the probability of him being drafted in the first round is, I mean, he's very similar player. I think when it comes to skill wise as Quay Walker. I agree in terms of athleticism. My only thing with smile, I think this is the only thing that could work against him, is just the size thing. He's not as big as Quay. Quay was a big dude. Like Quay was big enough to play on the outside as a jack. That's kind of what he did in high school. Smile's got he's got good, he's got a good frame. He's just kind of thin. Do you get that feel when you watch Smile play? I do. I think that he definitely could bulk up. Yeah, I think that's the like to me. Like he's a three down backer. I totally agree with you in terms of his athleticism, his ability to cover and play in space, all those things he has going for him. And that's actually what you really want to have going for you if you're looking at getting drafted by the NFL, because those are the things they put a premium on at that position because it's a passing league, right? So if you're going to play inside linebacker and you're going to be an inside linebacker that the team is going to consider dedicating a first round draft pick to, you better be a three down backer. You can't draft a two down backer. In the first round, you simply cannot. Those are those are day two guys, maybe day three guys. So I, I think Smile has the tools that NFL scouts, NFL coaches, NFL front office personnel, the tools that they are going to covet. And that's why I, I do agree with you that I do think he is a first rounder. Uh, I think he's certainly, I, I don't know if he's viewed that way right now nationally, but I do think by mid next year, I think he's going to be talked about that way. Because right now, if you look at some of the early mock drafts, He's not mentioning. I, I at least I, I don't know about you, Chris. I have not, and I haven't looked at every mock draft, but I have not seen any of these like way too early mock drafts. I have not seen him mentioned anywhere as a potential first rounder. Have you? No, not at all. I yeah, think and I think that's partly because he was a he was a first year starter last year, right? Yeah, and he didn't have he had a really good year, but he missed a couple of games, and he didn't. I mean, look, he wasn't Nakobe Dean, he wasn't Quay Walker last year because it was his first year as a starter. He's still growing, he's still developing, he's still learning all those things. So I think when he maybe he wasn't like those caliber type players last year as a sophomore, his first year as a starter. I, I don't think maybe enough people outside the Georgia fan base were paying that close attention to him. When you talk, talk about the Georgia defense last year, it was obviously Jalen Carter. Uh, Keely Ringo is a name that people were familiar with. He'd been mocked in, in, in the first round for a lot of drafts. Um, you know, you saw guys like that, Nolan Smith even, but you know, guy like Smile Mondin wasn't really on anybody's radar, at least outside the Georgia fan base. Our radar, yes, he was. And that's why like you and I, all, and everyone listening here, we know what kind of player Smile Mondin is. We we know he has first-round potential. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think he he definitely has the athleticism, which is what they look for. He's got the speed, the sideline-to-sideline type speed, can cover, play in space, all those things. I do wish he would add a little bit more weight. Uh, I am slightly concerned about that, Curtis. With the uh, with the injury that he suffered this spring, do you think that's going to potentially hold his hold his development back a little bit? Um, it may. <clears throat> if it was this time last year, I would say that more so. But I think the full year of playing under his belt, it's it, you know, I mean, thinking to Kobe Dean, it didn't really yeah. set him back too much when he missed yeah. this before his junior year, right? And he did have the first half of the, of the offseason, right, to to get, hit yeah. the weight room and, and get bigger and stronger. And then your nutrition program is a big part of that as well. I will say, thankfully, it's not a shoulder. It's not a lay room like, it, like Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones Jr. Because that's really what kind of sets you back from a lifting standpoint. So I'm confident that he will address that this year. Um, And he might be one of those frames like Adam Anderson where you can add a little bit of weight, but you just have a hard time. Like Some guys have that metabolism, you know, and they just have that body type where it's really hard for them to consistently keep the weight on. So maybe that's just what smile is. But even if he stays at his weight right now, Curtis, like what we saw him last year, are you still confident he's a first round guy? Not confident, but I could, I think it's a lot more plausible than just saying just drafted. 
Yeah, when I look at these guys, the, the guys, this is how I approach. I don't want to speak for you, but when I look at these players we're talking about, if I believe you have like a 50% chance or better to be drafted in the first round, I'm going to put you in the first round tier. Is that fair? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and look, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Smiles like locked to be a first round draft pick, but I think he's closer to that than being like a, um, I don't know, a, a late day two, day three guy. I think he's certainly, I mean, he's definitely not a day three guy. There's no, I mean, I think his floor might be like second, late second round, maybe because I think he's got too much athleticism, too much ability. But I think he, I think he has a better shot than, than not to end up in the first round. All right, let's move along here, Curtis. Um, next up. Let's just go ahead and get this one out of the way. I should I should start with this one. This is the most obvious one. I don't know, Curtis. Uh, Brock Bowers. I really don't know where to go with this one. I really need your help on this one, man. First round. I mean, it's you don't he, really. There's not I much mean, to say. Yeah, it's it's not a question of is Brock a first rounder. It's how high in the first round is Brock going, right? Do you see? Because I, I, you know, look, I don't. Again, I don't look at all these mock drafts. I've seen like two or three, so I'm not like one of these kind of sewers of, of way too early mock drafts. But I've seen a couple, you know, over the past couple of days. Um, and I've seen, I've, I saw one or two that had him in the top three. I saw one that had him outside the top five. What do you think? Do you think he's closer to a top three type draft pick, or is he a guy that's closer to like late top ten? I think he's late top ten, top fifteen. And the only reason okay, I kind why? of um, I think he needs to get bigger, maybe in weigh a little bit more to be that high because as good as he is especially you know athletic wise and receiving wise he's still going to be asked to block in the nfl and yes he can do that at college but i mean nfl those guys are a lot bigger he's gonna have to put on some weight to really keep himself in that high of a position i think that's a fair assessment curtis but i'm gonna push back just a little bit play a little devil's advocate here so speaking of labrum injuries Brock did have offseason labrum surgery coming into last season. He played the second half of 2021 as a true freshman with a, with a torn labrum, which is just crazy to think about how good he was playing with a torn labrum and how tough this guy was. Unbelievable stuff. Like that does not ever get talked about. And it absolutely should. This guy is tough as freaking nails. So obviously when you have a torn labrum, Curtis, that is an injury that is going to significantly restrict your offseason weight program. And he was not, at, I, he was, I don't know if he was as big as he was like coming in as a true freshman, to be honest with you. But if, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him lately. He's more jacked up than at any point we've seen in his entire career at this point. He's gotten a lot bigger because he's had the entire offseason at this point to be able to lift when now that he's removed from the shoulder injury. I'm hopeful that is going to play a, a, a positive role in him continuing to improve as a blocker. He's a very willing blocker, but you're right. Yeah, it's not that he can't and doesn't. It's just, yeah. you know, that's the one thing that I it's not feel strength. like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not his strength. But I will say this, Curtis, was that Kyle Pitts' strength? No, not at all. And I, I forget exactly where Kyle Pitts went in the first I round, but it was pretty high in the first round. Maybe, was, maybe. Yeah, I think it was top 10, right? I believe so. I mean, yeah, and I'm, look, again, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here. I'm not an NFL uh, draft expert kind of guy. I pay attention to I watch it like when it happens. But I don't really think much about it. But I, I'm fairly certain the Falcons drafted, drafted him inside the top 10. So it's certainly not unprecedented for a guy that, um, let's just say, blocking is optional for him at the tight end position. He's not really asked to do that. I do think like that you certainly have to be able to block. I mean, George Kittle is a guy that does a lot of that. I mean, there's, there are certain offenses that actually do more of that, but I would also say the ability to catch the ball and be a threat in space in the passing game is more it, that's there's more of a premium placed on that by NFL teams than a tight end's ability to block. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I agree with that. So I, here's where I'm, I think Brock is like a top five pick. I think like maybe number five, I, I think he's, I think he's in that area. I mean, could he be six, seven? Yeah, potentially. But this guy, I mean, I hate to use the word generational. There's a lot of really, really, really good tight ends that we've seen come out in the past couple of years. But he's as good as any of those guys that we have seen. Um, his, his, I mean, Curtis, have you seen ever seen a tight end have more like 70, 80-yard touchdown catches? No, I haven't. Hours? I think that's the biggest separator or, you know, kind of real – eye-opening stat when it comes to him yeah I mean this is I mean this is a guy we literally hand the ball off to we and this guy has multiple rushing touchdowns you just don't see that so his athleticism is is I don't want to say unmatched but it's certainly something that that you cannot doubt it's as good as any title we've seen in a long time I think his pass catching ability his ability to win contested balls strong hands his body control in the air his, his ability to make people miss in space also for a tight end. All these things are elite. His work ethic, Curtis, is elite. You know, we saw Jalen Carter drop. Was there questions about that with him? That will, it's, it's going to be the opposite for Brock Bowers. Like he is going to get a boost 
because of his work ethic and his character. That's what's going to happen with Brock Bowers. So I think when it's all said and done, again, not an NFL draft expert, I, I see Brock Bowers as the top five guy. And maybe that's just wishful thinking, but I, I just, and I, of course, we see him week in and week out. And I've watched all these games, I don't know how many times. I've, I'm just like obsessed with this guy. So that's, there's certainly some of that in, in my assessment of him as well. But I think objectively, you can say Brock Bowers, I mean, certainly has a shot to get drafted in the, in the top five and is clearly, uh, a first round draft pick, no doubt about it. All right, so get him out of the way. Let's go. Um, let's go with the. Okay, I'm interested in your take on this guy, Curtis. Arian Smith. Um, I think he'll be drafted. Okay, so Arian Smith, you got being drafted. Is there a world? I agree. I think he's he's at the very least going to be drafted. Is there a world where Arian Smith does not get drafted after this season? Um, I think there is if, you know, if he has an, another uh, another year where he has trouble staying on the field, staying healthy, you know, we've right. seen plenty of guys that were, you know, burners that, I mean, it'll get you in the door, it'll get you an invite to camp, but there's no guarantee it's going to get you drafted if you're not putting much film out there. Yeah, I think that's the only thing, Curtis. I think that's the only way that we see Arian Smith not get drafted after this season. Because he's a senior, guys. Like, this is his fourth year in the system. I guess he could he come back with the COVID year. I guess, yes, he could. But I don't anticipate that happening. Um, again, barring injury. Injury, sure, all bets are off there. Uh, which with him, you never know. But if if he deals with injuries all season where he plays, you know, you know, two, three games all year, then, you know, honestly, maybe the dude just hangs, hangs it up for football, you know, and just goes back to track. Like, I, I can see that happening with him. But if he can prove to stay healthy for a full season, number one, if he does that, I think he's going to be a big-time player for us. I think he's going to be an impact player for us. And if that's the case, I think he's certainly going to get drafted. But let's go to the other stream, Curtis. Is there a world in which Arian Smith can some way, somehow find himself into the first round? I don't believe that. You know, it's just really when you compare him to – guys who you know are first rounders like marvin harrison jr like there's a there is a difference fair based off what we've seen from the to this point he has not showcased like a full first round game as a receiver is that fair i guess yes like we we, we know he has a speed and but that and that's the one thing though curtis the speed is literally unmatched in college football we're talking I don't want to call it world class speed because he's not a world class track guy but 10 100 meter speed as a sophomore in college, that is elite, Curtis. I, I don't know if there's anyone in college football that can claim they're as fast as Arian Smith. I really do not. And we know, Curtis, we know that speed is tantalizing historically for some of these NFL teams. They cannot get enough of it, especially at those skill positions like receiver. And every single year, Curtis, every single year in the NFL draft, we see teams reach on players based solely on their physical tools. Most recently with this draft, you know, obviously I think the clear the clear answer there was Anthony Richardson at number four, Curtis. I mean, Curtis, come in, let's say like mid, mid-October. Did you see Anthony Richardson even touching the first round based on his play? Not based on his play, no. You still heard exactly. it loaded, but not yeah. based on play. And look, I mean, I think Arian has like 12 catches total in his entire career. So the production is not there. If you look at just production, like this dude's not getting drafted, but it's more than just production. So a deeper story there, obviously the injuries, that's the story. I mean, he's just had a rash of injuries that he's not been able to get over. Um, but this is a guy, another guy that Kirby loves. And I've heard from many people on the program, this guy works really, really hard. Like he's dialed in and I, I really want him to be successful. And if he had, can have the kind of year, I think he, that, he, that I believe he can have, if he can start to translate that speed and athleticism onto the field consistently, I I definitely think he's going to get drafted. I think there's a world where he could get drafted in the first round, but I certainly think that is below 50%. So I'm not going to put him in that tier, but I'm going to put him in, I'm going to put him in the lot to be drafted tier. Is that where you had him or did you have him in the needs a big year? No, I had him in the uh, lot to be drafted. Yeah, okay, I'm, I I agree. I think he's I think he's going to get drafted, even if he like, honestly, if, if he can just stay healthy. Which you know, what, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt right now, which I know might be a stretch because he hasn't really stayed healthy his entire career. But he ended last year strong, and with that speed, that rare speed that teams put a premium on, I think that makes him a lot to get drafted. Even if he only has like 20 catches this year, I think there's somebody out there that's going to take a flyer on him just because of the physical tools. So I'm going to call him a lot to get drafted as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go to the next one here. Um, you know, let's take a receiver for a minute. I'm also curious to get your take on this one. Dominic Lovett. I think he's a uh, lock to be drafted. I agree. All right, so why is he not a first-round guy? Um, this I don't is know. a guy that led Missouri at just under 900 yards last year receiving. It's hard to think because, you know, the league, I can't say size because that, you know, exactly. that's what my, you know, first – reaction is to say but i mean we've seen it with devonta smith and people like that that that's not always the mo um, not, not not anymore not even like deandre hopkins not these days exactly so Tyree it's kill, not these days that's why but i do think that he's someone that maybe could work himself into the first round but i think he's a lock to be drafted with stuff left to be desired for maybe how far he goes yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no chance that Dominic Lovett could find himself in the first round. I think he showed enough last year. Now, the last year was, you know, as a freshman, he didn't do a ton. Um, was, wasn't a big impact player, but he burst on the scene for Missouri last year, was their clear number one receiver. He was their leader in, rece- in receptions, receiving yards, and yards per catch, right? This guy's a big-time explosive wide receiver from the slot. You're right. And, you know, 10 years ago, this guy would not, like, would never have sniffed the first round. But things have changed in the NFL, right? And there's been a premium placed on those shifty, speedy, explosive slot receivers. We named some of them. And he fits that bill. Now, is he Tyree Kill? Is he DeAndre Hopkins? No. Like, I don't I don't think he's that. Now, we'll see. Maybe, maybe he shows something different this year. Based on what I saw from him last year, really, really good receiver, really explosive receiver out of the slot. He's going to be very tough for SEC defenses to handle. I believe he's going to be a big part of our offense. I'm not ready to sit here and say that I think there's a 50% chance or better that he'll be drafted in the first round, though. So, no, I do think he's going to get drafted. Yeah, what I was do. That? I do. I'm with you. I just don't think that the percentage is that high yet there for him. Like it's there to be made, but he's not there yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I could entertain it if somebody told me like, Hey, yeah, I think there's like a 20, 25% chance to get drafted in the first round, which I know we're just putting a random number on it. I can maybe be down with that. I don't know if I can go much higher than that until I see it more consistently in our offense. And, and if he, do, if he has a big year this year, all bets are off. Maybe I'm not going to close the door on that, but I think it's a much safer bet to say that he's a lot to be drafted than it is to say that he's a, he's a surefire first rounder for us. All right, let's go. Uh, you know, let's stick with a receiver here. And um, here's another. I, I, these receivers are fascinating to me, Curtis. All right, so we did Arian. We did Dominic Lovett. Lad McConkey, Curtis. Ooh, I think this might be a controversial one. Drafted. A lot to be drafted? Yeah, I think he's a lot to be drafted. And that's, and I, that's where I leave it with him. Okay, I, I, I agree. I do not think, like, Lovett with his athletic ability and his explosiveness which I think is a notch above what Lad brings. I love Lad. You guys know I love Lad. And I'm not trying to bring Lad down. Lad is a fantastic athlete. He's been dynamic for us, versatile for us. Incredible. Love Lad. I mean, I was telling you guys when we signed him out of high school, this guy's going to be a player. Yeah, big part of our offense. But it still doesn't mean that you're always a lock. Yeah, I mean, I I think Lad very well. I mean, right now he's probably the leader of the clubhouse to lead our team, at least in terms of actual receivers, not name Brock Bowers. Um, but in terms of actual receivers, he'll probably lead the team in, in catches and in, in receiving yards again this year. I, I think there's a better chance of that than, than someone else. I mean, maybe Lovett does. I mean, Lovett's going to be really good. But right now, I still put my money on Lad based on his experience in our system and what we know of Lad. Um, but I also don't think that he has as high of a ceiling as a guy like Dominic Lovett or Arian Smith. So while I, I, I think there's an outside shot that Arian, um, a very outside shot for Arian, less of an outside shot for Lovett, but still outside. Um, I think they could potentially find their way in the first round. Lad, I just don't see it. And I hate to say that because I love the guy. I do. I really love him. But I I don't see first round for him. But, Chris, I do think there's probably a lot of people listening out there. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, guys. You're telling me that you're saying Lad McConkie, 5'10", 180 pounds, 185 pounds. You're telling me that guy is a lot to be drafted in the NFL draft next year? Do you do you think that there's a world where he doesn't get drafted? 
I mean, there's always a world where they don't get drafted, but I yeah. would be very shocked because he he's a playmaker. I mean, you've seen a lot lot worse guys get drafted. I mean, if we had to be honest, um, I'll say this, guys. I will. I'm a, so I don't think he's gonna draft in the first round, but let's. I'm I'm gonna just go out on a limb here, and I mean, I guess you can hold me to this. I will quit this podcast. I will quit this podcast if Lab McConkie is not drafted. That's how confident I am he will get drafted some way somehow. It's in, at some point in the draft. Especially, know. you know, if he stays healthy, then I'm with you. I mean, yeah. health and probably yeah. Okay, health health is a, is a different animal, but if he stays healthy and is the same version of Lad that we've seen the first couple these last couple of years, these national championship runs, I will quit the podcast if this man is not drafted. That's how confident. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, there will be no more Glory J podcast. This guy's not drafted. And I'm not saying he's getting drafted in the second round or the third. I'm just saying he's going to get drafted. Okay. And uh, some of you are probably shaking your head saying, no way, man. Like, not that dude. Like, he's he's 175 pounds soaking wet. But I mean, think think of all the big plays he's made for us. I mean, that's the thing. He's a playmaker. I mean, yeah. People are willing to take flyers on people like him. He's tough as nails, he's versatile. He knows how to get open. He can make tough catches. Now, I know he had a couple of drops last year, but as Curtis and I said all through last season, guys, he wasn't even practicing, okay? He wasn't taking reps, but the dude was so tough. He went out there and played every game despite the fact that he could, he was barely able to move at practice during the week, okay? So, Lab McConkie has done nothing but make play after play for play for us. He's played in the slot. He's played outside at Z. He's played a little bit at X. We've used him in the fly sweep game. I mean, this guy has just been an absolute weapon for us. I mean, he has been our most consistent receiver on a national championship team for two straight seasons. There's no way this guy does not get drafted. And I, some of you probably don't agree with that, but you know what? There are also people that, that this time last year, Curtis, were swearing up and down and laughing at me and mocking me for saying Justin Bennett was going was to get drafted. And how did that work out? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, just saying. So, yeah, I mean, last not a first-round guy, but he, he's going to get drafted. All right. Um, let's, all right, let's go. Um, oh, one more receiver. Let's go on receivers. This is another one, Curtis. I'm I'm so curious what your take is on him. Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. Hmm. You know, I'm gonna say he'll get drafted. Um I, I think it's just, you know, I, I I just see it as a actually I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to go. That I think he has that. something to leave to be desired. Um Kiaris didn't get drafted. I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. I thought Kiaris had been yeah. drafted. Um so you know, I'm gonna say that he he does leave something to be desired. So he needs. So you are you saying? Like, I know. Let's recap our tiers here. We got first round. We've got locks to be drafted. We've got needs to show something in 2023, and then we got like just no chance undrafted free agent. Yeah, he he's one of those that needs to show something. Yeah, I think I agree. I think he needs a big 2020. A, a good it doesn't have to be a massive 2023, but a really good season this year. Look, we we've talked about this guy so much the past couple of years. We know what he brings the team in terms of his toughness, his grit, his tenacity, his blocking ability. He's a fantastic teammate. He does what's asked of him. He's not a diva wide receiver like, I don't know, <clears throat> Jermaine Burton, guys like that, you know, uh, A.D. Mitchell, not like that. All right. So I love this guy. Just like that, I love Marcus. I love this guy. And I really want to see him get drafted. But for him to, for me to feel confident that Marcus is going to get drafted and not be an undrafted free agent guy, I think he needs to do more in the past game. I think he showed signs of that late last year. And we've talked about during the offseason already that I think, you know, the last half or so, last third of last season, I thought he looked more athletic, quicker, more confident in the past game than what we had seen from him at any point in his career. And I thought it was a really, really good sign for him moving forward. And now without A.D. Mitchell there, I really believe, I know everyone expected Rob Rod Thomas, and I include myself in this in, in this group, when he first when we first signed him, for Mississippi State, I assumed he was going to be the starter at X, right? Were you with me on that, Kurt? I was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of assumed that, you know, Mississippi State's leading receiver. He's got that, he's got that, that pedigree. So, yeah, sure, he's just going to plug right in. But right now, I mean, the legal issues that he dealt with in the offseason certainly has something to do with that. But right now, Marcus is going to start it at the X for us, guys. And I'll, maybe it's a, a quick rotation and Rob Ryan's getting more snaps and more touches and things change as the years go on. But I think Marcus has a little something to show this year. I, I, I still maintain that this guy can be a good receiver for us in terms of actually making plays to receive. Now, is he going to be a dynamic, like explosive home run type threat for us? No, probably not. But I think this is a guy that can give us, you know, four or five catches a game and average, you know, 60, 60, 65, 70 yards, something like that per game. And if he could do that, he's going to get drafted, right, with, with his blocking ability? Yeah. I, I mean, even if he can just serve on, on a team as a special teams guy, he can do that role because he's a tough physical guy. I think that helps him. So I do think that if he can show more consistency and more play, playmaking ability this season, I think he will find himself drafted by somebody 
probably mid to late rounds. But I do think he needs to show a little bit more this year from a receiving standpoint. But I, I, I really hope he does, man, because that's good for us. It's also really good for him, and he's a, he's a great dude. All right, let's move along here, Kurt. Let's go, uh, let's go to the, the DBs here for a few minutes. Kamari Lasseter. I'm going drafted. I think the guy – I don't think he's a first-round pick. Um, he's still got work to do, I think, because there's a difference with some of these first-round guys. Um, but I think he could work himself into it, if I had to be honest because he is physical and in your face cornerback. So I think he's locked to be drafted. Um, I just would put that at maybe like 20% in the first round. Chris, I've gone back and forth on him because, you know, you and I were, we were both in agreement last year that it was pretty clear about halfway through the season that he was our best cover corner. And I don't know how much that's saying. Keely Ringo dropped in the fourth round. And um, yeah, uh, there's that, even though everyone thought he was going to be a first round guy, but does that necessarily mean that Kamari is in line to be a first round draft pick? I don't think so necessarily. No, that's why think... that's where I'm at. Just because he starts on this defense doesn't yeah. guarantee you anything, but it puts you in a good position if you go out there. I mean, Curtis Tyson Campbell didn't even get drafted in the first round. Exactly. I mean, that's true. Um, Tyson, though, realistically was even borderline because of skill or athleticism, yeah. though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, Tyson was, I mean, Kamari's a really good athlete. He's not a Tyson Campbell level athlete. Yeah, that's true. And I do think he's a better – I well, do you think he's a better cover guy than what Tyson was at Georgia? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah I do. I think he's got better awareness, better ball skills. better ball skills. Yeah. I would go with that, but, you again, you know how the – and that matters. That certainly matters. But you know how these NFL draft guys do, man. They put so much emphasis – and a premium on your physical tools. You see it year they after year. Your arm, you know, how long are your arms? How yeah. tall? And I think that's going to be some of those things. I mean, Lasseter's more stocky than he is um, yeah. long when you think of like Eric Stokes and Campbell. Yeah, so ba- here's what I can say. Based off what I saw from Kamari last year, at, now, by the way, first year as a starter, okay, in the SEC for a national championship team. This dude was really, really good for us. But based off what I saw from him last year, I'm not ready to say that he's a first-round guy yet. But Curtis, here's what I'm going to tell you, man, you know, talking to some people that are in the know around the program that see this guy at practice and saw him all spring say that, get ready. This dude's about to break onto the scene. Like he's about to have a big time year. Like he's apparently was just a monster all spring long. So if he does take that kind of step, now some, you got to take what you hear from those kind of folks with a grain of salt, because sometimes they, they just, they're prone to get excited about these things. Sometimes there's a little hyperbole at times. Um, but like if it's even remotely true, what I'm hearing about him coming out of spring practice, maybe he can work himself there, but I haven't seen that yet. Right. Yeah. And so until I see it, I, I reserve the right to, to change my opinion on this, but based off what I have seen, which is all I can really work on right now, I don't like to work off what people have told me because that's someone else's eyes. That, that ain't my eyes. So I'm going to have to go. I'm, I'm with you here. I'm going to go. He's going to get drafted. No doubt about it, but I'm not ready to say first rounder. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, let's look at the defense backfield. All right, so a guy making a position change, Curtis, which this throws me off, man, because of the position change. Javon Bullard. I think he's a lock to be drafted. Um, okay. but I'll leave it at that. I, there's, I realistically, I'm gonna be honest, there's no way he gets into first round. Um, really, why? No way. Why is there no way, Javon? Because this guy was, hey, MVP, defensive MVP of the Peach Bowl and the national championship game last year. I think twofold. First, I think that while he made some good plays in the you know national championship, um, he still has a lot to be desired playing the ball in the air. Um, it's just I think as a coverage guy in general. I mean, I was just yeah, I just I think, got done rewatching the Peach Bowl for like the seventeenth time, and you know I love Javon. I love him. We know what he did. You know, knock, knock, knocking Marvin Harrison out of that game, but there are plenty of times where he just got beat. You yeah. know, yeah, I agree. Beat. And so I think cover, uh, you know, coverage skills. And then also, I mean, he's just, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the thickest guy. Now he's 5'11, 180, Curtis. 5'11, yeah, 180. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, he still has a lot to left to be desired. Um, and we we're talking about attributes with Lasser. I mean, it's even worse for Bullard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the physical attributes are not quite there. He is, he is tough as freaking nails, like Lad, just a tough, tough physical dude. I mean, Curtis, like it, it was just shocking to me. All season, this guy's ability to fit against the run, like inside the box, and he did it so well. Like it, taking on blocks, taking on pulling guards at times. Curtis at five eleven, one hundred eighty pounds, he did it willingly and he did it well. Even if he wasn't going to make the play, he would blow up blocks. Like he would do. He 
he would do stuff that you see Jack linebackers do. You see Nolan Smith do, and he would take those on and relish that. So, I mean, I love this guy. I love his physicality. He's a throwback player. He's just a football player, you know, like that old cliche. He is yeah. a football player. I think that's why Kirby Smart loves him so much. That's how he's able to go on the field so early in his career. He's been kind of a staple in our defense. I am curious, though, about the position change. I've made that very clear. As I just got through waxing poetic about him, I thought he was a monster for us, a star. Like he's he was just an absolute beast that position. So I am still hesitant to a degree about his move to safety. Now, again, as I always say, coaches know more than me. They see him in practice. I trust him implicitly. How can you not? Back to my national championships. But it doesn't mean that I don't still have some degree of skepticism there. I need to see it with my own eyes before I like fully 100% buy into it. But he, he is just, he's such a good player, man. I think there's, there's something to be said about, like again, those football players, they can play just about anywhere in the secondary. So I honestly, I do think there's – I think you made the argument that safety kind of fits in better because there's less man-to-man coverage responsibilities there and his physicality being able to like fill the, the lanes. I think he could be a really good fit there. Um, but I, I just don't know. I need to see that. But it, I will say this though too, Curtis, the ability in college to play star and safety in two different seasons, could that help his draft stock? Could help it. I still don't think it's enough to get him to the first round. I, I don't either. I just, I think the size is going to be held against him. I do it too. I agree. I mean, I've heard people say, hey, this is Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm like, no, 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 no. Minka Fitzpatrick was significantly bigger than Javon. Yeah, Mink, Minka was just – Minka had better ball skills. I mean, yeah, he was, I, I would say that Minka was better in coverage for sure. But he was also just – I mean, honestly, Curtis, just a just a bigger dude. I mean, he was 6'1", I think, t- like pushing t- 205, 210. I mean, and he, I think – I mean, he played cornerback too at times. He I played think he star played- and corner. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's the versatility where star and safety is nice, but the corner is what is the difference because you, they know you can play both corner and you could go to safety if you're not at star. So I think that's yeah. going to be the biggest thing. Like and, I, and, and I love I love Javon. Year, be different. Yeah, I love Javon. He can't play corner. Yeah, I'm just I mean he could play it. He's just not going to be. He's not going to be a. He's just he might get drafted a corner maybe but i don't know like that's just not a spot for him he's not a great cover guy that's not what he does he's more of a physicality type guy that's just why star safety fits in right he's just a tough gritty player with good athleticism but he just doesn't have the physical tools like maybe some of these other guys do but yeah i'm with you on, on him i think that he's gonna get drafted there's no doubt in my mind there i just don't see him as a first round guy um all right let's move down my list here i lost my spot all right so we did javon we did Kamari. All right, let's go. Let's go to the offensive line curse. A couple guys here. I'm curious about. I think I well, I have my take on him. I'm curious to see if you agree with me here. Cedric Van Pran. Ooh. I mean, of course he's a lock to be drafted. I'm just no not doubt. ready. I'm just not ready to say he's a first round pick. Um, because you just don't I think the only reason I say that is because a lot of first round picks are used for guys that can either play tackle or guard. Um that pure centers aren't always going to be a first round pick. And I think that's the big, what if he can play center or guard? Then I think it helps his case, but I think if anyone, if they were going to draft anyone, it's going to be someone who can play tackle or guard. If I had to be honest. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing with Cedric. I think Cedric is an awesome center, dude. Like I, I really, really do, but you're right. In terms of positions along the offensive line center is, I don't want to say it's the least important, but it's the least prominent in terms of like in NFL draft stock, right? Yeah, because most people it may get moved from guard or something to center, but it, it's just the he's kind of pigeonholed for a, a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to think back. So, okay, NFL. Again, I'm not an NFL draft guy. I mean, I don't um, even think that I, I. I may be wrong, but I don't even think the guy who's with Indianapolis who has signed the big contract was a first round pick. Kelly, Ryan Kelly. Yeah, I think Alabama? that would be the only one that you could potentially I say. Don't th- I'm fairly certain that Ryan Kelly was not a first-round pick. Yeah, and I believe he's like the best in the league center-wise. Maybe – and I the Pouncey's – one of the Pouncey's maybe the only other one. But yeah, I you just, don't forget about Ben Jones. Is Ben Jones even play center anymore? I think he's at guard. I think he's at guard now. David Andrews. David Andrews, but they were – But they, definitely not a first-rounder, though. David Andrews wasn't even drafted. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you're right. So, like, you can find value at, at that position because the, the thing about center is you don't it, you don't have to be as big as the other guys. Like, there's you just don't have to have that size and that strength. Like, you have to be big enough, right? But you don't have to be, like, this big, you know, 300-plus pounder, 320-pounder that, that you want to see in the NFL. 
Uh, I'm just trying to think her. So I don't, I'm fairly certain there was not a center draft. From the, actually, I know there was not a center draft in the first round this year. Last year, Tyler Linderbaum, right, was late in the first round out of Iowa. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Like, was it, are you thinking of Ryan Kelly or Landon Dickerson? Ryan Kelly, Landon Dickerson was like a third or fourth round pick, but the guy, he, I think he, Dickerson was a second round pick. Yeah. Oh, he's, okay. Ryan Kelly could okay, before Dickerson. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, okay. Okay. I got you. I don't think he was a first round draft pick. No, that was a while ago though. Right. Yeah. It's a while ago, but I believe he's the highest paid center in the league. Now. I think he is now, you know what? Actually, I think, it was, I think he was drafting the first round Curtis. I think Ryan Kelly was. If anyone was, it's him, and that's the only one. Right, I'm let me look this up. Let me look this up. Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly. What was that like? 15, 15 or 16? 15 or 16? 16? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ryan Kelly, here we go. Uh, yeah, first round, 18, number 18 overall to the Colts. All right. Well, I, I'm proven wrong, but but, but it's really, not every year thing. So here I've actually got, okay, I got the centers pulled up right now. So there was no center draft in the first round this year. Last year, Tyler Lindebaum at number 25 overall, no first rounders in 2021 at center. Uh, 2020 Cesar, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan went number 24 overall in the first round. Um, Garrett Bradbury from NC state went number, went number 18 in 2019 Ragnar. So looks okay. So on average about one a year Ragnar from Arkansas went number 20 in 2018. Yeah, it happens, which is more than but it's not I an every year thing. Like, you know, you're going to see a tackle. The top tackles can get drafted in the first round. Top couple tackles. Usually the top guard is a lot to get drafted in the first round. Not necessarily the case with the center. They have to be a, a, a high level center, like, like an elite dude. Right. Yeah. But you don't think Cedric Van Pran is that then? I mean, I think of him like that, but he's going to have to go out and win an award or two this year. I think, honestly, Curtis, I think he win the Remington. I think, I mean, he should, let's be honest. I mean, right with, now, when with, you think with, about the, it, with the attention that like, you play for the two tiny thing national championship or national champion, and that matters, Curtis. It's like your profile, how these guys look at you coming this season matters, right? You have to be on the radar. starter too. Yeah, it could be a third-year starter. I think we're going to see the best version of Cedric Van Pran. I mean, he, a third-year starter. It's going to be the best version. And look, Cedric made it very clear this spring in one of his interviews, like when he was asked, hey, why'd you come back? Like, yeah, I love Georgia. Yeah, da, da, da. but also he's like, I want to be a first-rounder. Like he said, I want to be a first-rounder. And what that tells me is that he was not viewed as a first-rounder this year, which is after what I've seen from him for two years, great player, love him. I don't know if I've seen him a first-rounder yet, but that could change this year, right? And that's what he's going yeah. to be trying to do. So what I mean, I hate like, we're just putting random numbers on it here, but like, what is the likelihood that you could that he makes he turns himself into a first rounder this year, Kurt? I think it's like a 35% likelihood. All right, I'm gonna go on a limb here. This one is probably my least confident pick. I'm gonna say Cedric's gonna be drafting the first round. I think he, I think he's gonna take a step forward in terms of his on field play. I think his leadership capabilities, certain the character certainly is going to benefit him as well. Now, if he does get drafted in the first round, I'm talking like late first round, right? Like, you know, you know like 28 through 32, somewhere probably around there. And I'm probably wrong here, but I do think that we're going to see um, a big-time player at center take a big step forward in leadership, all that. I think that's going to combine to give him a shot to get in the first round. I'm going to call it exactly 50% shot to get to a first round. Not super confident there, but uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. All right, let's go. Um, let's go Amarius Mims. Ooh, I think he's a first rounder. A hundred percent. All right. So now some people will sit here and say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Curtis. You're saying the guy who's been a two-year starter going to year three as a starter is not going to be a first round draft pick, but the guy who's going to start for the first time in his career as a junior is going to be a first rounder. Explain Rod yourself. Roderick sir. Jones. Simple as that. Fair enough. Similar. I, I mean, mean it, it honestly, Mims got, got a lot of PT last year and we made the argument he was better than Warren McClendon. So, I mean, he was well, physically he was. Yeah, and he started quite a few games. I think he got more PT. I don't know, actually, because... Well, he started both playoff games. But I think he got more PT than Broderick did in year two. Oh, he definitely did. Yeah, 100%. Well, close. I would say at least the same, probably a little bit more. I think so. I mean, Broderick played a lot when Salyer went out, but I can't remember. Broderick played, I mean, most of the national championship game, right? Yeah. Well, we were calling all season for like, hey, move Salyer inside and get Warren Erickson out of there. And I don't know, put Broderick Jones in, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And look, I wonder how that works. So Warren Erickson um, didn't get drafted, didn't even get a free agent, an, an undrafted free agent deal, got an invite to a mini camp. I think the Broncos invite to a mini camp. And Salyer was drafted way too late in the draft, but is starting for already starting 
for the Chargers. And now Broderick Jones goes in the first round. So you think maybe possibly we should have had that lineup a little bit earlier in 2021? Just saying. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hey, we won the national championship, so who cares? But we also had to make that move in the national in the national championship game to actually win that national championship. So, you know, just just saying out there. But um Amarius Mims, Curtis, is it a stretch to say that physically, solely from a physical standpoint, he is a superior athlete to Broderick Jones? Ooh, I don't know. Broderick was pretty nasty when he, when you think of all the screens and the times he was pulling. I think Broderick has is a is has quicker feet. That's why he's playing left tackle, right? I think he's yeah. got better footwork. I think he's got better foot speed. All those things. I think that is true. I think that Amarius Mims, in terms of strength and power, is a different level than Broderick. In my opinion, I agree. Uh, in my I estimation. I, so maybe, I, I think that because that was actually probably Broderick's biggest thing holding him back for a while, especially when he got hurt freshman yeah. year. Yeah, his freshman year that held him back. And, you know, he could, again, can't work out, especially if you're a young guy, that, that's going to hold you back a little bit, hold you back to your development. But Amarius's frame, like just looking at him on the hoof, like his body, he he is just looks more physical. And he is stronger, more powerful than Broderick but he doesn't have that level of athleticism. And here's the thing. Broderick can play left tackle. I'm not saying that Marius cannot play left tackle. I think he absolutely could play left tackle, but he's clearly more comfortable at right tackle, right? So that's where we're keeping him, you know? So uh, with left tackle being vacant, if he, if he was better at left tackle, he'd be playing there right now, but he's not going to this year. I mean, unless there's something that happens, he's going to play right tackle. So I, I'm curious. I, I think that he is a first-round body does that make sense like i think he's yeah. got the physical tools which again that's what these in like when all, everything else being equal they lean on these things and he just has that tantalizing physical makeup and those tools that i think will allow him to get drafted in the first round curse like when he started the playoffs last year he played really well you know i think he was yeah. i mean he, i i don't want to say he was the best offensive on the team you know in those two games but he was really really good he was really good i mean i think he was better than mcclendon was yeah I mean, I, I do. I just think he was. I'm not saying Warren wasn't good. Warren was really good. I think I think he's a he's a step above Warren McClendon. I do think that he's gonna have a good year for us in his first year as a starter. I think that his his frame and physicality, all that, is going to allow him to get drafted in the first round. I was gonna get drafted as high as Broderick was. I don't know. I'm not saying you're gonna say he's gonna be the first tackle taken in the draft, but I absolutely think he's a first round talent. I really absolutely do. Um, all right, let's go. Um, another offensive I'm here, Curtis. Uh, let's go Tate Ratledge. Um, I think he's a guaranteed draft pick. I just don't know if I'm ready. Um, he needs to. He has work to do if he wants to be a first round pick coming back from Liz Frank. Still, I agree. Right now, I'm more comfortable saying that he is a lot to be drafted and not necessarily a first round pick. But same question I've been kind of been asking. I'll ask you again about Tate. Could he work himself into the first round? Because he got really he got much better as the season went on last year. The further he got removed from that injury. Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, the Tate Rattledge we saw towards the end of the year was an absolute bulldozer, to be honest, um, in all aspects to the game. I felt like, the, especially the last four or five games, he didn't, he didn't really see the weaknesses that we were talking about earlier in the season. If we see the version of Tate Rattledge that we saw the last quarter of last year for a full season and maybe him taking a step forward, I think he absolutely could be in the first round conversation. Because let's not forget, Curtis, you know, everything I was told coming into the 2021 season prior to that foot injury in the first quarter against Clemson was that he was our best offensive lineman all all, all fall camp. And we, yeah. we did not get to see that. I think we started to see that the last quarter or so of the season last year once he got removed from that Liz Frank injury and his foot wasn't as much of a problem. I do think it was bothering him some early in the year. There's obviously a little bit of rust as well. So I, I, if we see that Tate all year long, which I think there's a really good chance that we will, Curtis, and I think there's a, a good chance to take even a bigger step forward this year, I think he absolutely could be a first-round guy. I just don't yeah. know if I'm ready to say it was like better than a 50% chance, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm going to go Tate's a lot to get drafted, but I'm not quite ready to say first-round drafting, but it certainly is a possibility. Um, let's go Xavier Truss. He'll, he's I think he'll drafted, be drafted. Dude. Come he'll on. be drafted. He'll be drafted. And that's the size it. alone. Yeah, that, and that's it. It stays right there. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a two-year starter for hopefully a three-time defending national champion. We'll he'll see. Be a three-year starter, won't he now? No, he's two. He's yeah, still last two. year was because he kept – he was always in the conversation. He's always like the guy that got beat out for a job, whether it was a tackle, whether it was a guard. And then Wait, last year he, he finally played, like he won ball. the job. No, he didn't play guard last year. Uh, Schaefer and Erickson did. Never mind. Yeah, you're yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. Will be two year. Yeah, it'll be his. Like he he played some in 2021, but he wasn't a starter. 
Yeah, that's right. You're right. Didn't yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And he rotated obviously with, with, with Devin, RIP Devin um, this year, but he was a starter. So, yeah, I think the size alone, and he's got like, look, he's not like a, a dominant athlete. I'm not going to sit here and say he is, but he's a competent athlete. I thought, honestly, I was concerned about him holding up in pass protection, but I thought he did a really good job with that, all things considered, last year. Um, and here's, here's the other thing about him, too, Curtis. Now he played guard for us, but he also, like, he's been in the battle to win the tackle positions earlier in his career. He's got the versatility to play guard or tackle, you know? So, yeah. I think that versatility, the way that we cross train these guys, will certainly help him. I just I don't see there's any way he doesn't get drafted. Like with with the body, the frame, starting two years at Georgia, and I, I thought, and he's not the greatest technician out there, but he's got better his last season. War, I don't think we'll see a better version of him this year. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say Xavier Trust gets drafted, but not a first round guy, right? Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a first round guy. All right, a couple more here, Curtis. I'm gonna try to go a little faster for you. I know you have to get out of here. Um, all right, let's go. We did Mims with your Ratledge. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to the defensive line. Oh, we didn't do the defensive line yet, have we? No. Let's go, Nas Stackhouse. Oh, I, I, you know, I read an article recently that he's, you know, being floated as like a. They're looking at him for first round potential. Don't sleep uh, on Nas. Don't sleep yeah, on. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm still gonna say a lock to be drafted, but I think he, he can make a move to be higher. That's where I am with him. Like a lot of these guys, like I am not gonna close the door on him being a first round guy. I, I think that. Nas's emergence, or at least his play last year, filling in for Jordan Davis, I think it was one of the more underrated stories of our 2022 season. I, I we tried to highlight him on this show as much as we could. We gave him a bunch of game balls, but like I think you know the average fan you know didn't pay as much attention to him because he's not Jalen Carter, right? And he's not Nolan Smith, and he's not Javon Bullard, he's not Keely Ringo, he's not Malachi Starks, and he didn't he wasn't the guy putting a massive sack numbers in the nose guard. And he wasn't this big giant beast in the middle like like jordan davis was he's kind of in that shadow but he was so good for us curtis like he didn't control the middle of the defense the way that jordan davis did he didn't need a blocks the way that jordan davis did but he was so strong at the point of attack and he actually his first step quickness i think is borderline elite i think he can give us some pass rush on the interior i, I just love what i saw from him last year i think he was a really underrated part of our defense and i think he's gonna be even better this year obviously i think you know that that's the natural evolution natural progression of these players i have thousand percent think that there he's a lot to get drafted i won't even entertain anything otherwise i really want to put him in the first round right now but i need to see him take that maybe that next step and become more disruptive is that fair yeah i agree with that like maybe more consistently disruptive but i think he's capable of that he showed signs of that last year and a lot of it's just what is our defense like the scheme, what does it ask of him? It doesn't always ask him to be disruptive, but when he's given those opportunities, like maybe even on third downs, if he's can stay on the field a little bit, I know we like to mix and match. And he's not really a third down guy for us, but maybe he can stay in on some of those situations and prove that he can be a little bit more of, of a dynamic rusher and, and just more disruptive in general against the, for, for the opposing offense. I think he could work his way into maybe the late first round, but I think it's a safer bet to call Nas a, uh, a lot to get drafted. Uh, what about Zion Logue? Because I think he's going to play a lot now with Bear. I mean, he was always going to play a lot. It's one of the reasons that uh, Bear Alexander decided to transfer because Zion was getting a lot of snaps. What do you see from Zion? I still think he needs to prove stuff. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, certainly could get drafted. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But I think he needs a big year because last year, you know, coming into last year, we thought he might be the guy that would fill the role that Nas Stackhouse did, but he didn't. Nas kind of beat him out there. And then he kind of, you know, Jalen's obviously playing three tech and Zion was kind of getting spot duty. Now Zion's going to be asked to play a bigger role. And um, if he has a big year this year, which I, I certainly hope that he does, I think that he can. I liked what I saw from him at G Day. I think he could work himself into being a draft pick. Certainly not a first round guy, but I think he could uh, certainly find himself hearing his name called in the 2024 draft. Um, let's see who I, let's go back to receivers because I totally skipped him. Rod Rod Thomas. I think he needs work to do. I totally agree. And look, I'm not, like I said, I'm not even convinced he's going to start for us this year. If he doesn't start for us, he's not, he might not even declare, right? Cause he's, he'll only be a junior, a third year guy. So he might not even yeah, I mean, declare. He could benefit from coming back realistically. Um, and he can't transfer again. Well, let's see his Saudi year if he does. Yeah. And I, I mean, it would, he could benefit from an extra year, especially with Lad being a um, Marcus ahead of him with Love It too, and Arian. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Jamel Walthour. I That's think he tech. Has work to do. Yeah, I think Jamel. Uh, Jamel's another guy. I mean, I don't think he was as good for us um, as as Nas was, 
But I thought he was a really good player for us. By the end of the year, Curtis, he was actually starting over Michael Williams. I know Michael got all the love. He was actually the one starting. Now, Key Downs, who'd you have in? Of course, Michael Williams, a more dynamic rusher. But Tramel's a really solid run defender there in the five, at the five tech, which is what we traditionally ask of that position. And the coaches trust him. A really, really solid player. I'm just not sure that he's an NFL guy. So I'm with you there. I think that he has a little bit of work to do. And it's not outside the realm of possibility that he could find his way in the NFL draft. But right now, I don't know if that's extraordinarily likely. I hope it is, but I don't know. Um, so we, we talked about Smile Mono. What about Pop Dumas Johnson? Um, he'll be drafted. Um, very similar. Do you think he leaves after this year? I think he does. I think he feels yeah. like he's proven all he can realistically. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not going to get, uh, it just depends what his grade is because you, you have to question if it will get higher. Cause what is the knock on him, Curtis? Um, athleticism, athleticism and speed. Is that going to get materially better with another year? No, and then he'll have some of these young guys really pressing him and it's like, well, yeah. can you actually hold them off? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think he's definitely going to go. Um, we'll see, you know, we'll see how things transpire, but right now I would certainly say there's a strong likelihood that he leaves after this year. Uh, he's a really good player for us, but so what did you say? Did you say a lot to get drafted or needs work? Um, a lot to be drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, Smile, I think, has the higher ceiling, which is why I put him in the first round draft pick conversation. Pop had Pop might have a higher floor that, with his instincts and his downhill ability, but I don't. He's he doesn't have the ceiling of Smile, right? No, not at all. Yeah, he just doesn't have that athletic, physical ceiling. But he's a really good linebacker, physical, flies around, plays hard, instinctive, plays downhill really well, is able to stack and shed blocks well, does all the little things really, really well. But you need that, like, to be a first-round guy, you have to be a three-down backer, as we said earlier. And he's just not. Like, he's, I don't want to say lost in space, but he's not good in space. Uh, in Ohio State, again, I was just re-watching the, the Peach Bowl game. Dude, they were targeting him all game long, trying to create matchups against him, and they were very successful at it. And uh, he just was, man, like he was like had no chance. He had absolutely no chance. You can kind of see in his face, he's like throwing his hands up. Dude, what am I supposed to do? So I think that will work against him, so I'm with you. I think he's uh, a lot to get drafted, but not a first-rounder. Uh, all right, who did I miss? Um, all right, Curtis, this is one. I'm. we got to get to this one before we get out of here because I am fascinated by this one. Carson Beck. I knew that's where you're going. Yep. Um, I think he, I realistically think he's a lock to be drafted. Um, can he work himself up potentially? I think, you know, a lot he's going to have to, sh- I know he's not like the, a burner, but he will have to show a little bit more um, athleticism in the, in the, you know, run game. Just he doesn't have to be a, but does he? Cause well, I don't think, I don't think he, draft number two. I think Stroud showed it against Georgia um, he did. He did. that You're he right. could he do it when needed. And, I think and, Carson's at least that athletic. Though. Well, that's what, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, he's got to sh- show it though. You're right. Yeah, I'm not asking Carson to run, you know, be a dual threat, but show some escapability. Yeah. I think he will surprise people in that regard. I think yeah. like, he he's not Stetson. I'm not going to say no. he is in terms of escapability, but I think he's better. Of a, he's a better athlete than people want to give him credit for. Yeah. And, and that's all, that's all he needs to show. He just needs to show some athletic ability Yeah, that he could do it if asked upon, because you know, a lot of these pocket passers statues aren't the first rounders as much anymore. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think the, all oh, the athletes, I think that's more of a talking point now. It's just kind of one of those things that's taking a life of its own. Uh, Cause people, most people have no idea. They've never seen the guy play. They didn't follow him in high school. Um, but the guy can play like he, he can move, he can move. Um, yeah. I'm going to live here, Curtis. Like This is a total limb, and I know I'm kind of flying in the face of what I said earlier, about 50% or higher, but I truly believe this, Curtis. I think Carson Beck's going to the first round. Mm. I do. I, I really do, man. It. I think Carson's going to have a massive year, and it's not just him. Like Carson's going to, I think Carson's way more talented than people give him credit for. Because people, Again, people don't know. He's got really good arm talent. This guy is set and waited for three years, Curtis, three years. And he has learned this system. We hired Mike Bobo for a reason to keep continuity within that system that Carson's been preparing for for three seasons. Every time we've seen him out in the field, I know it was garbage duty, but every time we've seen him, he's done nothing but produce at a very high level and be very impressive. Like that's all I can say. I know he had a, a bad he had a bad uh, first scrimmage in the spring. You know that happens sometimes, especially when you're not even really running the ball and, and the defense knows all your plays and they know you're going to throw the ball every time and you're playing situational football. Like yeah, you're going to throw some picks. Now he's make better, did he need to make better decisions? Of course, sure, probably. I didn't see it, but you know what? I'm, I'm sure he did. You almost have hear a guy throw three picks in a scrimmage, of course. But when I've seen Carson, I walk away every time. I like, man, that dude's good. And I think with not just him, though, with the talent around him, you're talking Brock Bowers, you're talking Lab McConkie, you're talking Dominic Lovett, you're talking Oscar Delp, you're talking Arian Smith, 
you're talking Branson Robinson, this incredible offensive line that's going to protect him as well as anybody in the offensive line to protect their quarterback in, in the entire country. I think the combination of his tools and his talent mixed with what he has to work with around him in our offense, I think Carson is in line for a massive year. And I think Carson is going to put himself in the first round conversation. I could be completely going to limb there, but I'm, I'm going to go out there on that one. Um, all right, real quickly here, Curtis, um, Kendall Milton. Ooh, I think he still needs to show something. I, I hate to say it, man. Like just show me you can stay healthy. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Cause especially later in the year, you know, he was one of our best running backs later in the year. Consistency. Yeah. Wise. He had a hundred plus yards in the SEC championship game, two touchdowns in the, in the he playoffs. Started break, he, he started breaking some bigger runs too. Um, do the things that we thought he would do when he got here. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think he can do that when he stays healthy, but we need to see him do that for a full year. Um, I, I will say, though, even when he is fully healthy, like his Kindle, um, God, I really like the guy, and I want him to do well. He's a good back. But does he strike you as, oh, I don't know, dynamic? No, he doesn't. No, like you have to be special, right? You have to be like B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs get drafted in the first round at the running back position. And as much as I like Kindle, he's not that. Like we can, we can all agree on that. Um, I think he can certainly get drafted. But he also, like, Curtis, he's probably going to run in the, in the mid to high four sixes at, at the combine, right? Yeah, easily. I mean, and dude, like, you remember um, Sean Tucker from – did you ever watch Syracuse play the past couple of years? No. Dude was awesome. Didn't get drafted. He was incredible. He's a 1,200, 1,300-yard rusher. Didn't get drafted, largely because of measurables. I Kendall's a big dude, but he's not going to – he's not – I don't think – I really don't think he's going to measure all that well at the combine if he even gets an invite to the combine. So – I he could get drafted, but I could also see him being like an undrafted free agent. Just depends. Like he needs a big year. He needs a big year. I'm with you on that one. Um, okay, did I go through everybody I want to go through? I think we did. Um, Beck, Bullard, Kamari, love it, trust, nods, lad. Yeah, is there anyone I'm missing, Chris? I think I went through all of them here. I think you went through it all. All right, so there you have it, guys. We'll we'll come back and revisit this um, before the draft next year. But this is our way too early kind of prediction on where these different draft eligible guys are going to end up landing. Okay, one more quick one here. Speaking of running backs, Dejon Edwards. Um, work to be done. Definitely work to be done. Love him. Work to be done. Work to be done. But all right, guys, I, I think that's every player that we have on our list. So let's kind of recap this real quick. So in our first round tier, now there was some disagreement here, but at least one of us had the following players in our top tier, which is first round draft picks. We've got, of course, Brock Bowers. That's the unanimous choice. I think everyone has to be in agreement there. We both also had Smile Mondin with a better than 50% chance to be a first round draft pick. I had Cedric Van Pran on that list. Curtis wasn't quite there along with me. We both had a Marius Mims as a first round draft pick, a first round type talent. And uh, another disagreement between us here. I had Carson Beck. I know I'm going on a limb here. I got Carson Beck, though, with a big year going in the first round as well. So if that plays out that way, that means we will match the five first-round draft picks that we had in the 2021 draft, which would tie us for our program record, which would be great. Now, again, like we'll see. Is Carson going to be drafting the first round? Maybe not. I'm going on a limb there. Mary Smims, you know, he needs to have a, a good solid year so he can do it for a full year, but I think he's a first-round guy. But there also might be some of those guys in, in Tier 2 that maybe possibly could work their way up into uh, the first year. I think Kamari Lasher's a guy that has a shot. Maybe even Dominic Lovett. I think there's certainly outside chance there. Uh, Tate Ratledge, another guy, I think, with a good year as Curtis and I were talking about, could be up in that in that tier. But we've got five guys that we feel pretty good about being drafted in the first round. In tier two, so these are the players that we feel like are probably not going to be drafted in their first round, but are still locks to be drafted in the 2024 draft. We've got Arian Smith, Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey, Kamari Lassiter, Javon Buller, Tate Ratledge, Xavier Truss, Nazir Stackhouse, and Pop Dumas Johnson. So if you add tier two along with tier one, which is the group of players that we feel are absolute locks to be drafted in the 2024 draft, that comes out to... 14 players, which would be four more than we had this year, but one less than what we had in 2021, which, oh yeah, by the way, is the year that we set the record for total draft picks in a single draft with 15. But I also do think there are at least a couple of guys from tier three for us, which is the tier that is reserved for players that might not be draft picks right now, might not be on the NFL radar right now, but with a big 2023 season could certainly put themselves on the NFL draft map. 
I think there's more than a couple of these that certainly could find their way into the NFL draft next season. In, in Tier 3, we've got Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint, Zion Logue, Ra-Ra Thomas, Tramel Walthour, and Kendall Milton. So if at least one of those players, at least according to our projections right now, sitting here on May 3rd, can find their way into the NFL draft, that means that we would tie our record set in 2021 for total draft picks in a single draft. And if just two of them, if we can get two of those guys in Tier 3 into the NFL draft, then that would be a new NFL draft record. So what I think we're saying here, guys, is that despite this incredible recent success we've had in the NFL draft over the past couple of seasons where we have been the talk of the draft, Curtis and I think the best is yet to come when it comes to the University of Georgia putting players into the NFL draft, which is crazy to believe when you think about how we've dominated the draft over the past couple of seasons. But all right, guys, that's all we got for you here today. So this was this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. I am also, just a quick shout out here, I am also working on some NFL draft projections when it comes to Georgia players for Dogs Daily. I just had a piece published basically talking about this same thing. Got the question from a listener, gave me an idea to do a piece. And uh, the, the premise of the piece is pretty simple. Georgia is going to have its best NFL draft yet next season. So I share a few more thoughts in that piece, and I got a bunch of pieces I'm going to be running over the next couple of weeks where I am making individual projections for a variety of players on our team. Of course, we talked about most of them here on on the podcast today, but I'll go a little bit more in depth with each of these players and my projections for them in the 2024 NFL Draft. So check that out as well, guys. I think those are going to be some some reads that you guys would enjoy. But I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Before we get out of here, I, I do have to mention this. We do have a couple of huge tennis matches this weekend. The NCAA tournament starts this weekend. We are hosting the regional for both the men's and women's tennis teams here in Athens at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex, the mecca of college tennis. Some of you have made out some matches. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, this is the time, guys. Postseason tennis in Athens. There is no scene in college tennis like the Dan McGill Tennis Complex during the postseason. So, guys, the weather's going to be nice. It looks like it's going to be nice this weekend. We've got two matches on Friday. If the ladies win on Friday, which they will, they play in the second round on Saturday at 4 p.m. The men play their first round match on Saturday at 1 p.m. before the women play. And if the men win, which they will, they are going to play on Sunday at 1 p.m. Both teams are legitimate national title contenders. The girls got the equivalent of a one seed, like in in the NCAA college basketball tournament. They were the number four seed overall, which is a one seed. The guys got the number six overall seed, which is the equivalent of a two seed. So when I say legit national title contenders, guys, I absolutely mean it. So come on out. Come enjoy some great college tennis. Uh, It's the NCAA tournament, so you do have to pay, but it's cheap, guys. I think it's five bucks to get in for, for the whole day. So come on, bring the entire family, cheer on the dogs, and have an incredible time here in Athens but all right we're officially done we're officially out of here for Curtis I'm Tyler have an awesome weekend and as always go dogs